So we're thinking about that life, life which is with us now and life which is eternal. And the Apostle John wrote uh, a letter which we've been looking at over these last weeks, speaking of that life. And Anne is going to bring a, a passage now from the fifth chapter of his first letter that speaks of the desire that he has that God's people might know that we have that life right now on earth, not just after we die. Thank you, Anne. The reading this morning comes from 1 John 5, starting at verse 9. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of God, which he has given about his Son. Those who believe in the Son of God have this testimony in their hearts. Those who do not believe God have made him out to be a liar, because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his Son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his Son. Those who do not have the Son, I beg your pardon, those who have the Son have life. Those who do not have the Son of God do not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Anne. Good morning, everyone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word to us. Thank you that your word is life. And we pray, Lord God, that you'll reassure us afresh this morning of your plans for us, your eternal plans for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Why do people write? We've got some uh, published authors amongst us, I can see, uh, round and about, round the room. And uh, I guess people write for all sorts of different reasons, don't they? So one person might write because they're trying to make sense of their own ideas uh, and thinking. Uh, Someone else might write to communicate a particular perspective on an issue or a topic of relevance. Others might write to share of their own experiences, autobiographies. Some in lockdown have been writing to just pass the time of day. Others write to express their creativity. Some write to make money. Well, the Apostle John tells us exactly why he writes, and it's summed up in four words. That you may know. That you may know. I hope you've enjoyed uh, unpacking various themes from this uh, gem of a letter in recent weeks. We haven't covered every verse, but we've covered a fair chunk. And as we draw towards the end, we read in 1 John 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. 
We're clear as to who he's writing to. He's writing to Christian believers, and we're clear as to why he's writing. He's writing that they may know. And we've got very good reason for concluding that the author of this letter is the same as the author of John's Gospel, because there's a remarkably similar line in John 20, verse 31, where he writes, But these are written so that you may, not know, but so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life for now and life into eternity. Do you believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God? Do you know that you have eternal life? We have this precious gift of these scriptures to encourage us and to reassure us. Truths to hold on to as we journey through life. I don't know about you, but I need these reminders sometimes. There are lots of alternative voices shouting in my ears. A voice that says that Christianity is outdated and irrelevant for today's world. A voice that says that life finishes when we breathe our final breath here on earth. A voice that says Jesus was just a good man or perhaps a prophet. As John writes his letter, he does so, like every writer, in a context. And he's writing at a time when there were uh, many anti-Messianic teachers, a guy called Serinthus, amongst others. And they were all denying that Jesus was the Son of God, denying his divinity, denying his death and resurrection. And so John is providing reassurance for the Christian community, first of all, and uh, just before this section, he's spoken about the, uh, the testimony of the Spirit, the water, and the blood, bearing witness to the person and authority of Jesus. The Spirit poured out at Pentecost. So John's speaking from his own experience of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit and the effect that had on him and the other early believers. The testimony of the water of Jesus' baptism and the blood which demonstrated Jesus' humanity and points us in his death to his divinity. And then he goes on to make some pretty stark statements which speak for themselves. Positive statements directed at the believers, assuring them of the gift of eternal life, and a sideswipe at the false teachers, those who are making God out to be a liar. And so he says, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. So why is this assurance and this emphasis on eternal life so important? Well, it enables us to live without fear of death. Death is not the end, but a new beginning. I might not like the thought of dying, but I have no reason to fear death itself. That's why a Christian funeral should be marked with celebration, not denying the heartbreak and the sadness of losing a loved one, but celebrating a person's life and witness and their ongoing life with God. 
In a few minutes' time, we're going to um, hear a song, I Will Rise. I may be wrong, but I think the last time it was sung here at Christchurch was at Martin Brown's funeral three years ago. Many of you will have known Martin and remember him with great fondness. A man of great faith and inspiration to so many of us. He was someone who played such a key role in the establishment of the CAP Centre here at Christchurch. He was a lay minister with his wife, Myra, heavily involved at the church centre and then here at Christchurch, preaching, leading uh, on the PCC, involved in the youth work. There's probably nothing at Christchurch that Martin hasn't touched. (laughs) He spent his last few months racked with pain and reliant on others for his personal care needs. But what most of us will remember of him from those last few months was the strength and resilience of his faith. He knew where he was going. He trusted in his Lord. And the song, I Will Rise, is a song of assurance and confident hope. A hope for all of us to hold on to. Friday uh, morning, I had a, uh, a message to say that one of our former Hazelmere leaders, the youth camps I'm involved with, uh, had died. He was 100 years old, so he'd had quite a good innings. He just celebrated his 100th birthday a few months ago. A guy called Dixie Dean, an incredible man of faith. In that same message, there was news of uh, someone else who had been involved at Hazelmere, who'd passed away a couple of weeks ago, a lady called Sue Savile, who was involved at Christchurch Clifton for uh, a few years. And it was amazing, reading the feed on social media yesterday in response, the sort of tributes from all sorts of people who'd been involved in the youth camps over the years. It was incredibly powerful to read the testimony of people remembering different uh, acts of service they'd been on the receiving end of, from both Dixie and from Sue. There was one remembering the fact that uh, Dixie would take the cooks uh, a cup of tea every morning through the week as an act of service. But it was even more powerful because there was uh, testimony on this uh, social media feed that said, I became a Christian because because of their example and their leadership. How powerful is that? There's more to this assurance, though. If you feel secure in a particular situation, you can relax and be yourself. You can be the person you were created to be. Throughout 1 John, the author is reminding his readers that a massive part of who they're created to be is be a people who love. We focused on that especially a couple of weeks ago, looking at verses in 1 John 3 and 4 with that message of love one another. If I know that I have eternal life, we can have the next slide there, please, Tim. If I know that I have eternal life, I don't have to worry about the future. I can get on with living and loving now in the ways which God intended. Came across a great little story about John the Apostle as he neared the end of his life comes from Jerome, and Jerome tells us that when John was too weak to preach, he would be carried into the congregation at Ephesus and contempt himself with a simple word of exhortation. And he would simply say, little children, love 
one another. And when his hearers grew tired of his message because of his constant repetition, and when they asked him why he kept repeating it, he said, because it is the Lord's command, and if this is all you do, it is enough. We had a brief look at what that looks like um, on Tuesday at our PCC meeting. We were looking at some verses. We always have a brief time of reflection and prayer at the beginning of our meetings. And we were looking at a few verses from Romans 12. And in there, there's a call to, to give generously, to lead diligently, to show mercy cheerfully. A great set of adverbs, generously, diligently, cheerfully. And we added our own list of expressions of love and service. Caringly, wholeheartedly, faithfully, honestly, encouragingly, and all sorts of adverbs that probably wouldn't appear in the English dictionary, but express something of God's heart, the way in which we're called to to live and to love and to serve. And then there's an added dimension, isn't there, to loving one another. If we feel secure in our eternal destiny, and if we embrace the life that Jesus offers we're surely also then motivated to share the good news with others. We want others to know Jesus' life and life in all its fullness, life now and life into eternity. Dixie Dean was passionate about seeing others come to know Jesus. Even in his 98th and 99th year, he was walking along the seafront at Deal in Kent, sharing the good news of Jesus with people he bumped into, often people he'd never met. That's the sort of guy he was. He had this little black book, I think I've mentioned before, where he would just write down the names of people, and he'd keep praying for them. And if someone became a Christian, he would cross their name off. (laughs) Two things strike me about um, the topics we raised earlier on in the service as well. Haven Homes ministry arises out of an assurance of God's love and his eternal purposes. They're expressing love in all sorts of practical ways, as we've heard, but with a heart for the children in the orphanage, the people in the communities might come to know Jesus for themselves. That's what marks them out. They're not just another social action project. The same is true of CAP, our Christians Against Poverty Centre here. The main focus is on helping people out of debt, but with a heart that in doing so, clients recognize and respond to God's saving love. Cap is unashamed about that. It's a debt ministry, but if people come to know the love of Jesus, that's great cause for celebration. Freedom in the day-to-day from the terrible burdens that come with debt, and freedom into eternity with the assurance of God's love. And then there's our children's ministry for which we're seeking funding for this role. The children's ministry at Christchurch, it's not, a, it's not a babysitting service. It's not a way of ensuring parents get a little bit of peace so that they can listen to the sermon. It's about life. It's about life now and life into eternity. What's not to like about that? Surely that's worth investing in. Knowing whose we are, receiving the promises of eternal life, can never just leave us sitting smugly in a corner, celebrating our own good fortune. 
It can only motivate us to look beyond ourselves to a world in need, to be Jesus' hands and feet in sharing his love and his truth in word and in action. And so once again today we receive his love and we receive his promise of eternal life. That's summed up in this song we're now going to hear sung to us. There's a peace I've come to know, though my heart and flesh may fail. There's an anchor for my soul. I can say, it is well. Jesus has overcome and the grave is overwhelmed. The victory is won. He is risen from the dead. Hallelujah.